Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. the leader of this movement that we're a part of, the ramp, the leader and founder, and the absolute greatest influence on my life um, outside of Jesus is in the room. And I'm so thankful that we get to hear um, from our leader, Pastor Karen Reed. Would you stand and honor her, please, and welcome her to this platform. Oh, so good to be with you tonight. Give Jesus just the most glorious praise you can give him this morning. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Wow. 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 Look at faith become sight. Look at this miracle in this room this morning of just seeing you here and seeing what God is doing in this city and uh, in your life individually and what God is doing corporately. I'm just blown away. So if there's other people in the overflow room too, I'm not sure if there are, we are glad you're here too. Yes, there are. Okay. Clay's telling me. So we're glad you are here, everybody. And there's probably people watching online too, right? Well, uh, our hearts are overflowing with just the fullness of, of the Holy Spirit and watching God answer prayer and keep his promises. So, and you're just a, a part of every bit of it. So I want to uh, honor, especially today, uh, of course, as always, Joe and Stacy Reeser. Do you love them? Do y'all just love them? I know you do. I know you do. Two of just the greatest, I tell you. They, When God chose who was going to come here to lead this particular movement in Manchester, he just picked the best. And so we honor them and love them so much. Just Joe just blows me away. And just seeing uh, him walking in the fullness of the anointing that God has put in his life. I still remember, it's kind of like a mother. You know, when you look at your, your children, you still see them when they were little. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know Joe as a little boy. I just remember the boy. How old were you when you walked on the ramp the first time? Probably maybe 20. And uh, he's getting old. But anyway, he's, I still remember the boy that walked in the green room, not the green room, but the, but the ramp the first time. It was old. We called it the grace place then. It wasn't even called the ramp. And he had dreads down to below his waist right about there. But most sometimes pull back in a ponytail. And, uh, and he comes in. He, and I don't know if you know this or not. He is an amazing guitar player. I'm talking like incredible guitar player. All right. He should play. He doesn't obey his mother in that yet, but he should play more often. Mm -hmm. You would, you'd be blown away. If you heard him, you'd be blown away anyway. And so, but yeah, I, I saw that young man. I just still remember. I just still remember when, when I got to know him just a little bit and uh, his dreams, of course, were to be a professional musician because he had the gift to be. But I remember knowing, mm, this boy, he is a leader and he is a teacher of the word. 
and God is going to use him mightily. And then he fell in love with Stacy, and I was blown away. What? Joe is in love with Stacy, and Stacy's in love with Joe. Whoa. <laughs> Stacy, I have known Stacy since she was a baby. Uh, I've I've knew Stacy's parents. We're very close friends. And uh, so I watched Stacy take her first steps, literally, when she was toddling along and taking just, you know, the first baby steps. Uh, so I've known Stacy her whole life pretty much. And she's just, just nobody like her. And, you know, and here she is today teaching your children you couldn't have better. I'm telling you, the anointing in that girl's life. And what Stacy is on this platform, she has always been her whole life when she was a little girl praying and seeking God. You're just blessed to have her. And can I just brag also on Micah and Delano Wood? Oh, my. Now, see, Woo, there they are. Can't talk about it. Just mm. dear, dear to my heart. And when God told them to come, I just remember thinking, God, what are you going to do in Manchester? That you're just sending these amazing people to this city for the sake of your harvest and your dream. And just to see them here flourishing and their children flourishing. Overwhelming for me. These two are amazing. You're going to get to receive from the gift and the anointing that's in both of them. And I'm so thankful that you get to do that. And I'm so thankful that you love and honor them like you do. Clay and Olivia. Do you love Clay and Olivia? What? You're going to have to bear with me. I'm a mother, and I'm going to brag on my kids. So just hang on. Just give me a minute, all right? I don't even get to see them a lot. But when, I'm, when I watch them, I'm watching Clay and Olivia this morning. I'm like, Lord, what in the world? They're just, they're just incredible. And their yes melts my heart. James and Becky, I tell you what. James, Aladrin, Becky son and daughter to my heart. I'm just blown away. Did you hear him preach last night? What in the world? I get saved. Every time James preaches, I get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. I just, I sit there and I'm just like, God, forgive me, Lord, help me, Jesus. Do you do that too? Anybody else just get saved every time James Aladrin preaches? Stirs my heart to no end. I mean, I could just go on and on, but to all of you, to all of you that have said yes, uh, that have joined our teams. We're getting, God is sending these amazing leaders here. Josh Green, his family. I, mean, I can just keep, keep naming names. Forgive me if I don't name your name because if you have just being a part of this mission and saying yes, in whatever capacity you are serving, it's just worth it. It's just worth it. All right. I've got to move for time's sake. Can I, Chosen? Y'all want to see Chosen do a dance? Listen. It's a little challenging because we need a building. And everybody says, Amen. we've got to have a building. But God's going to got this. That's, we don't need to get distracted because, can I have a tissue, please? But uh, God's going to provide for us. We need a building that's got a, a stage on it to hold a chosen UK. We've said that since we first got here, but that my dream is to see these kids come on in black on black and dancing. Come on. Are you going to do that? Are you in? I want to see these kids just in word and dance and song and everything they do proclaiming the word of the Lord. Amen. So, yes, sweetheart, if you'll move this, I'm going to. So I know you can't see the dance too well. You probably see their 
your head's dancing. <laughs> but it'll be good, and, and we can just declare the word of the Lord in this song. Let's just tell him, hey, first of all, wait, Olivia, where are you, sweetie? We've got a girl, young, come here, baby. I just looked at Olivia and remembered Olivia is actually, her father is from Manchester. Yeah, and now Olivia is, now her grandfather in, lives in Toledo, Ohio, and pastors one of the most significant churches in America within our world, and uh, his church there, how many, how many people is in his church, baby? Did you know? It's a few thousand. They have a very, very large campus. Her grandfather is just a legend within our world of churches there in, in, uh, in America. And a man greatly honored and respected, Pastor Tony Scott. But her dad is from Manchester, England. And did he play for Manchester? Or what did he do? You tell them. So my dad is born and raised here in Manchester. Actually was literally born right around the corner. Um, so I have so much family history here and it's just like so overwhelming being here. Uh, but yeah, my dad actually played for Man United in the 70s. <laughs> so um, I really, really wish he was here at the service, but he had, had to fly to, I mean, drive to London for his flight today. But yeah, it's just um, very surreal being here. And I just, my heart is burning for this place. And um, it's just so excited to be here. Tell Olivia that you love her too. Will you do that? Thank you, sweetheart. I love you. All right, Chosen, tell them Jesus is coming back. Let's go. thought that the world has kind of lost its way mm -hmm. crazy as it seems yeah i know it's gonna be okay oh yeah it doesn't scare me it's temporary there's something better we got forever and it won't be long because we know our help is on the way the way so keep your head up jesus is coming back Jesus is coming back, no don't give up, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, and when the world gets complicated, we're gonna keep on celebrating, cause we know, yeah we know, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, we gotta stay awake cause nobody knows a day at time, no. Trumpet's gonna blow and the skies are gonna open wide. Oh yeah, he's coming for us, just like he told us. It's been a long wait, but there's a new day, and we're gonna sing hallelujah when the king arrives. Oh, you know you gotta keep your head up. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. No, don't you give up. No, no, cause Jesus. Yeah. 
people get ready people get ready are you ready are you ready people get ready people get ready are you ready are you ready people get ready yeah let's get ready always come Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Oh, come on. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise because you believe that. I love it. We're dancing silhouettes, but that was beautiful. I love that. All right. Do you have that podium for me? George, bring it. What about George? Do we love George? This guy just blows us away. He came all the way to Alabama to, uh, to the ramp. And so he just became part of the whole family. And we just love it. Uh, just scoop me that way a touch. I have balance issues in my head. So I just have to be right in the middle. There we go. Perfect. Thank you, George. That song just brought back a, a I'm going to look at the scripture right quick. It's not even in my notes right now, but I just, when they were singing, I thought, whoa, it just makes me think of something that God said, actually, in the book of Ezekiel. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us this morning in this room. We are here for you alone. And God, uh, I need you to help me this morning, Holy Spirit. You are the helper. So I'm asking you to speak through me and make these words your words and make them rhema and life. To all of us, Father, in Jesus' name, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name, say amen. Ezekiel, the 12th chapter and the 21st verse, there's this interesting verse, a uh, few verses that you don't even hear very often, but I read them a while back and they just had life on them for me. Listen, listen to how interesting these verses are. I'm reading in the New Living Translation and it says this. Now, uh, this is actually a word that God gave to Ezekiel because Israel was in trouble. But anyway, listen. It says, again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, you've heard that proverb they quote in Israel. Time passes and prophecies come to nothing. Tell the people. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will put an end to this proverb and you will soon stop quoting it. Now, give them this new proverb to replace the old one. The time has come for every prophecy to be fulfilled. Verse 26, then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people of Israel are saying, he's talking about the distant future. His visions won't come true for a long, long time. Therefore, Tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. No more delay. 
I will now do everything I have threatened. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, again, for Israel, when they received this message, it was not good news. They had been in rebellion. They'd been in sin for generations, actually. God was, he was to hear. And they were about to walk, to go into judgment, to Babylonian captivity. But what is the lesson for us to hear in those words? What we need to gather from that today, even in 2023, is this. There comes a time when whatever God has said will come to pass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Israel had brushed off the warnings, that brushed off the prophets, that brushed off these prophecies and made them trivial and just didn't believe them. Oh, he's talking about the distant future. Oh, those prophecies, they always talk about those things. And he's, you know, it's never going to happen. And God says, time's up. I'm going to do now everything I said I was going to do. In 2023, a lot of the world and a lot of the church had that mindset. Oh, I've been hearing Jesus is coming back for generations. You know, people say that forever. Oh, yeah, we've been hearing that for a long time. Jesus is coming back. What we need to remember is there comes a time when God keeps his promises. What does that mean for us? It means for us, we could be the generation that sees the eastern sky split and the Lord himself descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a promise from God. And it will come to pass. Do you believe that? I know every generation has always believed that they were the generation. But Jesus said, when you see the vultures flying around the something, he says, then you know a carcass is near. In other words, he was even referring to that to end time signs, the signs of the times. When you start seeing things come together that I'm telling you are going to come together, you need to take note. And I don't know about you, but in America, you can watch the news for a little while. I looked at the news the other day and I thought, well, I think I see vultures flying. I think something is stirring. But for us, this is exciting. Because there's also another prophecy that I believe will be fulfilled in Joel and in Acts. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That will happen. And I believe not only can we be the generation that sees that come to pass, I believe that it has begun. Now, many reasons for that. You know, for one thing, I mean, here I am at, at my age. I've served the Lord. Can I have that water, please? I've served those. <coughs> Y'all bear with me today. I've got a, some antihistamine stuff in me, so I'm going to be drinking a lot of water. I've served the Lord all my life. But you, you and I know, that all, especially those of us over 50, never seen times like we've seen in the last two or three years. Something's happening in our world but also within the church. Now, and as you know, because Pastor Joe went last week and, and came at last Sunday and told you about his trip to Kentucky. What was that, Joe, about a week ago? And uh, you saw what happened. 
uh, you know, what is happening right now in the United States at, what, at a university called Asbury University. So God sovereignly just during a prayer time they had, I think, in their normal chapel service with a few kids, not even very many young people, and God moves in. But it's not just normal. It's not just a normal chapel. God moved in in such a sovereign way that in a town of 6,000 people, I think it is, over 50,000 people are drawn to this place because they, that was the week in a week because that, they heard God was there. So many things about that that's beautiful to me. It tells you the hunger in the hearts of people. They heard God was there and they're going. People are drawn to the presence of God. So not only is it in Asbury, as you've heard already, in the United States right now, there's outbreaks of God taking place. I mean, in different universities. <coughs> Don't worry, I'm not sick. I'm fine. I'm not contagious. Just dealing with some stuff God's healing me up in sinuses. But it's in, 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 in America, we're having these moves of God that are truly supernatural. You can tell something is stirring. Now, whenever we begin to hear about it, uh, I begin to just even felt led to go back and look at a revival that took place, a move of God that took place <coughs> in 1949, November of 1949. How far is that from here? One country over in Scotland, outside a little island off the coast of Scotland there in a place called Island of Lewis, the Hebrides Islands. Anybody ever been? No? All right. Well, it's interesting because in 1949, there were two ladies. Their names were Peggy and Christine Smith. Both of these ladies were in their 80s, 182, 184. Interestingly enough about these ladies that lived on the Hebrides Islands, 82, 84, one of them was blind and one of them had crippling arthritis. But these two women became greatly burdened because of the, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm reading this because I studied this and these were some statements that stuck out to me. Watch. It said that they, began, they became greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their parish. Because not a single young person attended their worship services or their church. Not a single young person was attending their services. In fact, I read a statement that said they were troubled by a growing trend of young people toward worldliness. They were troubled by that. It became clear that, an, watch, that an outpouring of God's spirit in revival was the only hope to supernaturally reverse the situation. I think I'll just read that statement again because it's very important. Two women in their 80s were appalled by the condition of their community, troubled by the growing trend of young people toward worldliness. And I love this statement. It became clear that an outpouring of God's spirit in revival was the only hope to supernaturally reverse the situation. Now, they became gripped by a scripture 
in Isaiah 44, verse 3, that says this, I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. That's just huge. Whenever you see a need, you need to look for a word from God about it. That's, that's everything. I'm going to tell you, in your life individually and corporately within the church, well, listen to me again. When you see a need, whether it's in your own child, whether it's in your marriage, whatever, whether it's in your city, whenever you see a need of any kind, your first response to the need that you see is to go immediately to God and say, God, what do you, God, have to say about that situation? In essence, it's what happened. They see this massive need in their, in their youth. What do they do? They turn to the Word of God. And they found a scripture in Isaiah 44, 3 that says, here's God's solution to their problem. I will pour floods. I will pour water on him that is thirsty <coughs> and floods upon the dry ground. So they decided that they, because they were so burdened, they decided they would pray twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays from 10 p.m. to 3 or 4 in the morning. Are y'all with me? One night, now that, that alone just gets me. We're, we're talking about two women in their 80s. They're going to pray twice a week. Go with me here from 10 p.m. when most people are asleep, especially that age. I know I am in mine. 10 p.m. To three or four in the morning, twice a week, about one thing. The condition of their young people in their community. <coughs> they said that one night, one of the women, it was the blind lady actually, the one that was blind, had a vision. In the vision, she saw the church of her fathers crowded with young people and packed to the doors and a strange minister standing in the pulpit. She was so stirred by the vision that she sent for her pastor. And she asked her pastor to call the elders of their church together to pray in a barn or somewhere. To Here's what she asked them to do. Would they pray at the same time that she and her sister were praying? <coughs> She said, you pray there, and we will pray here. At the same time, twice a week, from 10 to 3 a.m. or 4. <clears throat> so these seven men joined the pastor in a barn. They continued to pray for weeks that turned to months, a few months, just a few. One night, and by the way, they were praying the same thing the ladies were praying, Isaiah 44, 3. I will pour water on them that's thirsty, floods upon the dry ground. One night as they were praying, <coughs> so sorry, a deacon of the group began to pray out of Psalms 24. This was huge. This deacon stand, rises up and he begins to say, God, your word says, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. No idols, no deceit. And this is what the deacon said to the pastor and the men that were praying with him. He says to his pastor, maybe we should pray it like this. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? 
who will stand in his holy place. And he changed it. He said, God, are my hands clean? Are, is my heart pure? And they said that when he said that, he was slain in the spirit immediately. And it was at that point when he turned that prayer, the, the bowls of intercession from those two sisters praying and these seven men in the barn, when he said that, the bowls of intercession filled and tipped over. And it was that statement that caused a release in the spirit. And this was what Duncan Campbell, the man that was actually the, the man that preached for the revival, he said this. He said, when that happened that night in the barn, the power of God swept into the parish and an awareness of God gripped the community such as had not been known for over a hundred years. Duncan Campbell said this, and I loved it. He said, an awareness of God, that is revival. An awareness of God, that is revival. Come on, here's, in fact, it says this, the next day, the looms were silent. Little work was done on the farms. Men and women gave themselves to thinking about eternal realities. Whoa, just because two women are praying in their house and seven men are praying in a barn, they're not even out evangelizing. They prayed like James said, until they broke through something in the heavens and the spirit of God poured out across an entire community and began to draw people to God. In fact, they said later they, that um, right, in fact, right after that, these seven men, because the lady had seen in this vision, there was a strange young man in a pulpit they did not know. So they decided to go to a nearby town, to this, to this school, to find whoever that young man was. Long story short, you have to study it yourself. But they find this young man named Duncan Campbell who said he would come with them. So that night he came with them. And it was so funny because they said they met him. He said, I can still remember getting off the docks. And whenever I got there, I was met by these men, this pastor, this man. And they said, we know you haven't had supper, but would you just come to the church first? We can eat later. Would you just come to the church first? And whenever they get there, they had, the pastor and them had told them that their people, the few people they had, that there was going to be a meeting. And so they gather in this church. Duncan Campbell begins to preach. The Spirit of the Lord begins to move, and all of a sudden, they looked outside, and when they opened the doors to the front doors of their church, over 600 people had gathered standing outside of the doors. They didn't have social media. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. The Spirit of God, they said, in, in fact, they said it was already 10 o'clock at night, and God had moved and brought people out of their beds, got them up and told them to get dressed and just go to the church, go to the church where God was, and people were drawn supernaturally by the Spirit of God. What is that? How does that happen? It, it unleashed a revival that lasted for four years. And the church was filled with young people exactly the way God had shown Christine in her vision. Now, what is there? Why am I even telling you about all this? Why does it matter? Thank you so much. Why does it even matter for us? For so many reasons. First of all, let me just say this. I loved that idea. Not just idea, but the revelation that revival is just an awareness of God. Because whenever I look at Manchester, how in the world are we going to reach all those people? That building right there is about to be filled with families. How do you reach those people? 
It's like I was sitting there just now in worship, looking at all those apartments back there. How in the world do we, in this room, a few bunch of us right here, in here worshiping God. And, and, and the thing is, I love it that we're in here worshiping God because God comes. But like, we're just few in number compared to that. But you know something? Let me say it like this. When my daughter Lindsay was gone as a prodigal, and I was burdened from the need of my own daughter, I remember I, she got into such a terrible state. I prayed for years, I, two, three years. I didn't know what to do. It was worse instead of better. And I remember, I don't know why, this one little simple statement turned everything and gave me such faith. After I'd exhausted everything I needed to do to reach my daughter, I remember looking up to God one day with everything I had in my being. And I just said, God, you know what to do to bring Lindsay to her knees. Do it. Do it. It's a scary prayer to pray because you don't know what do it may mean. But if it brings her to her knees, is it not worth it? And I look at Manchester and I look out here at this city and the field that is before us that is white and ready to harvest. And I look in this room and there's just a few of us. But I look up to a great big God and I say, God, you know what to do to bring Manchester into an awareness of God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. That's what happened when those two ladies began to pray. And here is what I saw that moved me about these two ladies. It's, it's really the fulfillment of a scripture and their strategy in this word for us. And it's found in Jeremiah. And this is, this is to me really a description of intercessors. Watch. It's what they did. It's who they were. It's really found in Isaiah. I mean, uh, Jeremiah. I'll get that later. Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, watch. Oh, listen to this. It says this in Jeremiah 31, 15. And this is what the Lord says. The Lord is saying this. Whoa. A cry was heard. Does anybody have the King James version of this? Look it up for me if you do. Let me see your Bible if you got a King James in here. A cry was heard in Ramah. Deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children are gone. Where is it, sweetheart? I love the, the, the uh, King James. It says this. Is this King James? 31. Hang on, I got to find it. 31. Thus says the Lord. Yeah, that's it. A voice was heard in Ramah. I love this lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted because they were not. There's, I'll get to that in a second. Now, listen to what else it says. He says here, this is still the Lord speaking. Refrain your voice from weeping. Don't weep any longer for I will reward you. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. For there is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children will come again to their own border or their own land. Can I prophesy that to a praying mother? Can I prophesy that to a praying father in this room today? Come on. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children will come back to their own land. Now, why does this matter to us? 
First of all, let me just start by saying this. When I look at these two 80-year-old women, 82 and 84-year-old women, here's what I have to say. I want to say this to, it's every person in this room, but I especially want to speak to those that are, say, over 50. If you're over 50, raise your hand at me and let me look at you. Raise your hand. Let me look at you big. Okay? Can y'all look around and see them? I want you to see where they are in the room. Okay? See them? Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. See their hands? Kids, I want you to look at those people. Can y'all, kids, I want you to stand up. Look at those people with their hands up. Raise their hands. Raise your hands. Can y'all see them? Okay, perfect. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, I want to I say something to you first, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas. Look at me. Tell, let me a friend to friend and a sister to sister and brother. You matter. You are critical to this, what God's doing in the earth. I've never seen a movement. I don't believe there will ever be a movement of God, ever, that a generation is left out of it because God doesn't need them. If you are breathing, you are needed. I said, if you are breathing, you are needed. Yeah, that's why you're still on the planet is because you're needed. You're still on the planet because he hasn't finished with your purpose that he sent you to the earth for yet. And it's not too late to fulfill it. And don't let the enemy ever tell you you've done so much wrong. You've, you've, you've delayed it so much. There's no hope for you. Can't fulfill it now. No, the reason you're breathing is because he still needs you to fulfill the reason he put you on the planet. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. And one of, the, one of the things the enemy wants to do for my generation is to tell you, uh, you don't matter now. You don't matter now. It's all about the young people now. It's all about, you know, technology sort of passed us by. We all sort of feel like, you know, we're sort of, we don't even fit here anymore. No, no, no. That's a lie from the enemy. You matter. And Satan fears you because of what you carry. The truth is, these kids that just looked at you, these young people around this room, they need you. They need you for your prayers. They need you for your wisdom. They need you for your guidance. God's got to have you here for this thing to work properly and God to be able to do in the earth what he wants to do in these last days. It's going to take all generations that are on the earth fulfilling their purpose at the same time. We got to work together in this. How are we going to do that? We got to honor each other in the way this thing comes together. That's a whole other message. I don't have time for it, but I'm glad so, so glad those two 80 year old women didn't feel like they didn't matter it anymore. Come on, they didn't. And that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what they did. Those two 80-something-year-old women fulfilled that word. A voice was heard in, in Ramah. Watch. Deep anguish and bitter weeping. You know what it was? It was Christina and Peggy weeping for their children, refusing to be comforted because their children were gone. I love that because the key to that whole thing being fulfilled of their children coming back was the first words, a voice was heard. The only way the rest of it was going to come to pass is if the first part of it came to pass. First of all, there had to be a voice heard. Come on, Holy Ghost, help us. Oh, Jesus, a voice had to be heard first. Come on, it wasn't two old women in their little cottage being comfortable and waiting for Jesus to come. They were not comfortable. They were blind. She had crippling arthritis, but that did not stop them because there was something else that was stirring in them greater than them, a burden for the condition of the youth of their city. They refused. 
refuse to be comforted. They refuse to say the condition of my nation, it's okay. I don't even matter anyway. I'm 80-something. I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come. I don't, I don't matter in this. I love what they did. They did what they did in, in Jeremiah. I refuse to be comforted. And it was that refusal to be comforted that caused them to cry out to God. And when they cried out to God, oh, they heard from God. Thus says the Lord. Your children will come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your children. They will come back to their own border. Why does that work? Why does that work like it does? Because love prays different. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas in this room, I want to tell you one of the reasons you matter the most is because you love so deeply. And love prays different. I know that's not exactly correct English, but whatever. Love prays different. When you love somebody, I remember years ago, the Lord taught me this. I was about 18 years old. I was standing in a, I was in school of ministry. I was standing in a circle of girls. We were all joined hands in a big circle praying. A pretty little prayer, kind of cute prayer. And we're praying for each other's, you know, different people's needs in the little circle. Somebody had given a request for a girl that we were praying for. So I was, you know, I was doing what we all do. I was just praying sweet prayers. All of a sudden, while I was praying, the Holy Ghost interrupted me. Out of nowhere, I hear the voice of God. And the Lord said, pray for Janet. Now, Janet is my only flesh and blood sister. I only have one flesh and blood sister. So in the middle of my praying for this girl that I don't know, I hear the Holy Ghost say, pray for Janet. Honey, all of a sudden, I remember, I remember first thing I thought was, has something happened to Janet? Is she in danger? All of a sudden, while I'm standing there without them knowing, all of a sudden, my prayer changed. I shifted to a different gear. And I started praying, oh, God, in the name of Jesus, wherever Janet is right now, I plead the blood of Jesus over Janet. God, I pray for your protection. I pray for your deliverance over my sister. I pray for my sister in Jesus' name. Started praying in tongues from the depth of my heart. And the Holy Ghost interrupted me again and said, now that's the way I want you to pray for this girl. Because in my family, I don't see flesh and blood. It's spirit to spirit. When you're praying for your own, you pray different. It's one thing to ask other people to pray for your kids. But I tell you what, you need to own it for yourself. Like James said last night, you got to pray for yourself. And when you pray for your kids, ain't nobody going to pray for your kids like you pray for them. Because nobody loves them like you love them. And love prays different. Come on, you'll die for your children if you love them. Come on, that's what you'll be willing to do in the spirit. And, but it's, it's not just, we can start with our natural children, and you should. But then start saying, God, enlarge my heart to love the kids you love. That's what Christine and Peggy did. Lord, show me your heart for a generation and for, for the youth of my community. God, I don't love them really because when I don't even think about praying for them. But God, help me, God, help me. Give me a heart for what you have a heart for. Give me a love for what you love. God, give me a hatred.
hatred for what you hate, God. Put your heart in me, God, and enlarge my heart in love. I love to pray like that because I'm praying the will of God. And when you pray the will of God, you can have whatever you ask. That's what he says. Are y'all still with me? I know I got to wrap it up. I got to hurry. But I got to tell you, when you pray the will of God, you can have what you ask for. That's why I love to pray prayers like that. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. In fact, 1 John 5, 14, it says it like this. This is our confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have whatever we ask. When you're asking for God, God, I want to love what you love. You're praying the will of God. Therefore, I know he hears me and he'll give me whatever I ask. You're on this earth for the sake of souls. Period. He wants you to enjoy this life, your family. He wants to bless you. But everything in this world is passing away except one thing, souls. Those people in that apartment complex matters to God this morning. It matters that they woke up high and drunk and lost in darkness and bondage. And if that bothers him, it needs to bother us. And we can't be content to be comfortable and be all right with it. And it doesn't matter that we're outnumbered. Two women and seven men prayed in a move of God that transformed a community. If the Ramp Church and the other churches in this community will take hold of God in intercession like James preaches, I believe an awareness of God can hit Manchester. And those people can be awakened and say, you know, I don't even know anything about God, but I got to find him. And God knows how to get the word to them, even about where we are. He told the people in, in the Hebrides, get down to the such and such church. And they came. What if people in these office complexes just go to work and all of a sudden they're gripped by the awareness of God, convicted of their sin? I believe those of you believing for children that's not right with God today. I believe through your prayers, God can go right where they are and start drawing them to truth and righteousness. Mm -hmm. There's no boundaries in the spirit. There's no distance in the spirit. You pray, he will answer. I'm wrapping up. You can go ahead and come to the piano, sweetheart. I want to tell you just a little bit more. We're going to just close in prayer, but I want you to listen to me, please. One of the main things the ladies did, I love it that they were in their 80s. I just love that. I just love that. Those two little ladies, first of all, refused to be comforted. Beautiful. That's a whole other sermon. I can't get distracted. Next thing they did was they took a word and declared that word, Isaiah 44, 3. You will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. When you, listen, this, this book right here is alive. It's a voice. It's not words on pages that are dry and dead. It's not just an old history book. This is alive. It speaks. 
but it's only activated by faith when you believe it. These promises, this book is so full of promises, it's mind-boggling. Promises of God. But they will just lay right there. They will just lie. They'll just sit right there waiting for somebody to take them off the page and believe them. They'll just, they'll, these promises will just lie. They'll just lay there in your house. And everything you need is found right here. And it'll just lay right there in your house until you seek God enough to say, what do you have to say about that thing right there? And he'll show you, believe me. He's got a, he'll talk, trust me. <laughs> he loves to talk. And he'll pull this word off the page. And then you take that word like those two women did. And you start declaring that word. Get it off the page. Get it into your heart. Then get it out of your mouth. Honey, when that word comes out of your mouth, it's the word of God. It's not just your voice. It's the word and the voice of God coming through you and it will not return void his word his word will not return void those two 80 something year old women started saying you said you'd pour water on him that's thirsty our young people are thirsty you said you'd pour floods on dry ground our city our community is dry ground pour your water god pour your floods god they had a promise they decreed it when they released it Anybody here today refusing to be comforted? Anybody here today say, that's not okay? Anybody here this, uh, this, this morning say, no, I've walked the streets of Manchester. It's not okay. Come on, anybody, anybody saying, you know what? I see the condition of my daughter and my son. It's not okay. It's not okay. And you know what? I remember when my daughter Lindsay was gone, I had people that tried to comfort me in my pain. And I remember they tell me they meant well, but they said, Karen, it's just what a lot of people do. And you, you know, you can't really control her. Obviously I've never meant to, but you can't, you can't change it, Karen. It's just people make their own decision. And, and they tried to comfort me. And, and they used to say, someday she'll come back to God after she's old. Someday she will. And trying to comfort me in my pain. I had to make up my mind. What you're saying doesn't look like what he said. You mean well, but what you're saying is not what he says. So I refuse to be comforted. And it's going to inconvenience my life. It's going to turn my world upside down. And if I may not enjoy the journey, but I will refuse to sit in comfort and let my daughter go to hell. And we've got to make up our minds right now. Those kids don't have moms and dads praying for them. we got to refuse to be comforted and let Manchester go to hell. Come on. What does revival look like? He wants to refresh us. Absolutely. But not just for the sake of soaking and refreshing, but for the sake of getting out of this building and reaching them. Let's stand all over the room.